Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Adventurers. <laughs> Last time on Dungeon Drunks. I'm going to start doing that on purpose just so that it, it's a way to help me focus is just to make y'all laugh before I have to then talk about serious things. After a long, difficult, and complex adventure, the Heralds of Greenest have finally arrived at a secret temple deep under the spine of the world. This is the bastion of the last corruption, and it is guarded by the priests of Tempest. They've been granted passage to one of the most secret locations in all of Faerun in order to destroy an amulet that Travancore has that has ties to both his family and to a devil. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I am drinking... I've just lost the name of the tea. The Shit. I've just lost the name of my tea. It's not the world is on fire. What's... Uh, Friday but the world is on fire. Afternoon so, hey. tea fire. It's it's hey, New Zealand's best. doing just fine, thank you. Setting things on fire. That is the name of the tea from Friday afternoon. I bought it because it was recommended to me by my friend Hannah, who is lovely and wonderful, and wanted me to have a tea that goes along with my my dragonborn fire cleric of a phoenix for my Wednesday show, and it's delicious. And so I just keep drinking it, Jonathan. What are you drinking? Uh, well, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular, and tonight I am drinking a truly hard seltzer, a uh, lemonade seltzer, uh, which is quite good, and to up the alcoholic content just a wee bit, I added a shot of vodka to it, and it's still pretty good. So, cheers. Cheers unto you. And Bernie, what are you drinking? Tonight I have a Blood Moon Orange Sour Beer because y'all know I love a sour, and it is from Whitewater Brewing Company out of the Ottawa River, or the Ottawa Valley, and I just tried it tonight, and it's very good, and it's not going to last (laughs) much longer. As well, it shouldn't. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening has a bit of orange synergy, because it is an Allagash uh, white, Belgian-style wheat beer, and according to this description label, it says balanced citrus and spice come from the coriander and curacao orange peel in this hazy Belgian wheat-style beer. And I am drinking it in the mug of friendship in honor of the friend whose birthday is in a couple of days. Happy early birthday, John. Yeah, your birthday's coming up. And and early birthday, although by the time people hear this, it will be after your birthday. So I would like you you to lie to all of us in this moment, uh, Carlton, and tell us what... What are you drinking and what are you doing for your birthday? Uh, I am drinking a uh, an unsweet white and green tea mix with a hint of mint uh, that we got from Trader Joe's and it is quite delicious. And now lie to us and tell you how your tell us how your birthday was. Well, I know exactly what I'm doing on my birthday. I'm moving the garage fridge to the house because the house fridge has a leak, and I'm moving the house fridge to the garage. I'm adulting on my birthday. <laughs> Yay, adulting! (laughs) But yes, my birthday was lovely. Thank you all for the well wishes. I know you've given them to me. And if not, well, we'll just say you forgot. Oh, well, no one will forget because we all love you very much. Not you guys. I'm talking about our audience. The good people of Faerun. Yeah, (laughs) you know, the good people of Faerun. uh, 
when this comes out several weeks after your birthday and you suddenly get a whole bunch of belated birthday wishes, we'll know that the good people of Faerun love you very much. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. It's just been a really difficult time for all of us. And some of us, you know, needed a little bit of a poke. That's all. We forgive you. I have no transition. You're at. <laughs> Listen, uh, I've just grown used to the fact that sometimes I have no transition for it's things. Been a, it's been a long couple weeks. Transitions are overrated. Yes. Uh, hard cut, smash cut. I need I need a sound effect or something. I got to well, play a transition for you if you ever want it. Yes. You can just say it's been a long road getting from there to here. Five or six Star Trek fans will rise up in applause. And the other but ones who don't like that show. My is finally here. <laughs> well, now it's only four or five because one of them just did. <laughs> can we just do that clip as an interstitial between scenes? <laughs> I think what I need is Jack to say it's been a long road and then to hear Jonathan just start singing. I think that's the, I all the transition line. we need. Like there's actual lyrics in between what Jack said and what I sung. But nah. you, the hey, the couple of y'all that get it, y'all know what I'm talking about. Scott Bakula <laughs> will forgive you. He will he will leap back in time and forgive you. Cause I got faith. <laughs> Can this just be the rest oh, of the episode? We my heart will take me. I'm not we singing. We haven't had that much to drink. No, no but it's, this is just, okay. just fun to sing. I feel those... like that needs to be said. Like one of us doesn't drink at all, <laughs> and the other... and the other's drinking tea. It's just one of those songs <laughs> that, like. It's the only Star Trek song you can sing like that, that you can actually belt out. Because all the rest of them are these am, orchestral, like... I am sorry. Now you're going to make me sing. You're telling me that... Okay, That's fair, not fun fair. to no, belt no, no. out, I, come I, on. Okay, I forgot about the original series. <laughs> I actually saw a YouTube video where... Uh, a legit soprano, like, surprised this concert. They're like, oh, here's this person. She's like, oh, yeah, thank you. They're like, oh, she's going to perform for us. And then she just goes into Star Trek and everyone goes nuts. Well, they were, spe- they were speaking Spanish. It was in Spain. And I, I didn't I, I didn't know what they were saying. Yes, but okay. once you start going, oh, yeah, it was, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, there, there are no words. But exactly. also, there's that one Star Trek where there's whales, which was actually the first Star Trek movie I ever saw. <laughs> and double dumbass to you. There, I don't know if anyone got that. No, no. Oh, come on. I was really the, the young, and I watched Captain got it. Save the Whales, and I was not aware that other Star Trek movies weren't really like this. Nuclear Wessels. Wessels. Wessel. You do know that that is officially why Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Star Trek are set in the same universe, right? Oh, oh I didn't know that. Whale. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they're not and officially. The, it's the just so it's, it's a whole thing with saving the whales and saving the dolphins and forty two and, and how they're smarter than we are and that's with how they knew that the world was gonna end and that Vijer yeah. was actually the Vogon ship coming and hmm. blah blah blah. Anyway, yeah. wow, if you'd like to uh, find out more I about that. Uh, so so long and thanks for all the facts. <laughs> I don't like, I, that's a transition. That's a good one. That's a you good came, one. There's no, there's no transition. It's still no transition. It's just me one moment talking about how V'ger is a Vogon ship, and the next minute I'm going, you are about to enter the bastion of the last corruption. It is, for the moment, all you know is it is an underground temple to Tempest, and it is one of the most secure locations on the planet. The doors have been opened and you were not able to really see exactly how it happened. Just heard a bunch of knocking and, and noises as you were forced to turn around. But now Bernie's going to elbow back, Travancore. And she's going to go, do you think Nixon's head's in here? 
you know, and cry and freeze. I'm sorry. Faint I'm ancestral sorry. memories. The faintest of things. And then Travacord just looks over you and says, Haru? Like it's a question mark. Haru? Both Travancore and Shadow give you that, that cocked head what? The door to the bastion has been opened. It has slid into the receding rock. And before you is a small passageway leading into what looks like a very plain underground stone room. Nobody around. And there's this quiet moment as the rock settles and... You've been walking for hours and hours with nothing, nobody around, no noises, nothing to look at. And this is the first thing that you've seen pretty much all day that isn't just featureless gray stone. But if there were supposed to be guards here, if there were supposed to be people here, there's nobody. Your guide, Overseer Van Wolde of Wyvern's Bane, does not seem perturbed by this, but she also does not enter. She looks at all of you and stands to the side and says, I don't remember what her voice was. She was she's a dwarf. So New Yorker, she, right? She's no New Yorker, yeah. At a moment I'm like, I don't Wait, remember what she sounded like. New Yorkers in your your canon. Yeah, I just you've never noticed that. that. I all just dwarves it from the- New York. I just I never understood the whole thing about uh dwarves being like Irish and or Scottish or something like that. I'm like, no, dwarves are from New York. They live in packed communities who all care for each other and don't take any guff. That's, that's There's a, dwarf a lot to of me. Irish people who moved to New York. And so there you go. I have a lineage. In so, uh, The Dragon Prince, the elves are Scottish, which I think is hilarious. There instead you of go. the dwarves. <laughs> I love it. The overseer stands to the side. She says, someone will be along to see you shortly from what I know. I, I'm actually not going to follow you inside. As soon as you're in, I'm going to close the door and I'm going to start heading back. Try to get back as quickly as possible. But they'll be able to take you from here. You're probably going to want to talk to uh, Warlin Silden. And she kind of sighs. She's like, not the most exciting person, but someone you can trust. Uh, You know, boring can be really good. Really, really, really good, actually. Right now, boring? I like boring. How do you guys feel about boring? I'm I'm 100% team boring at this point. Boring would be nice for a change. Jonathan the Magimuscular is all about that boring. Bernie, you know when the overseer says Warlin, uh, especially with your contacts in the Temple to Tempest, that's not a name, that's a title. Warlin is a title? Yes, Warlin. Like chaplain, but with war? Kind of. Give me a religion... Give me a religion or a history check to know more. You recognize it as a title, and so Sil- Silden must be their name, but Warlin is their title. I, I apparently equal it both. We're going to roll a religion check. 15. Okay, with a 15, you know that's pretty high up in the ranks. You're, you're not 100% sure how high, and you're not sure if you can remember the actual order of ranks. But it's not surprising that the one of the most secret places in the entire universe would include some of the high-ranking members of the temple that's guarding it. Yeah, that makes sense. What was so? It's Warlin was the last name. Uh, Warlin is the title. Silden was the name that was given. All right. Warlin. And the overseer responds to all of you talking about boring, saying, "Yeah, you know, 
the the goal here is to not be exciting. If if we all do our jobs and we keep this place a secret, nothing ever happens. And that's the point. So don't expect like sterling conversation or a lot of excitement or anything, but they're gonna get the job done. Uh so just just head down into the room. Someone will be along shortly. They already know you're here, as you can probably tell. I don't know exactly what Carissa told you, because we tend to not tell people a lot of stuff ahead of time, just in case. But she probably mentioned that once you go inside here, there's no contacting the outside world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Jonathan the Magimuscular, question. So if you're closing the door and leaving, are we going to be able to exit from here once we're done? Once you're done, yeah, there's going to be somebody who's going to escort you out. There's a couple different ways to get out. Uh, Got it. It's going to be dependent on what makes the most sense, but they take care of that. Got it. And she kind of motions for you all to enter. Thank you, Overseer. Good luck. And Travis Ward moseys on in there. Yep, heading on in. Bernie also moseys. You, you mosey. You all mosey, walk, stride, strut, on in. The hallway for a, a little bit continues that featureless gray stone until it comes to this room that you can see. The room is actually round. It's not perfectly round, but the walls are very expertly shaped. There is some basic stone furniture with some pillows and blankets laying about. And to the left is a set of double doors, also in stone. It's pretty featureless. It's also still empty. And as you enter the room and kind of look around, you hear the grinding of stone behind you as the the large doors that the overseer had opened for you grind to a close and a coof. Then it is quiet. That was really ominous. Dun, dun, dun. So I guess we just keep going. I don't know. I don't. Did someone come get us? Do we, I do guess. we need to, well, guys, to say hello? Should we be like, hey? Why are we whispering when we have Telbond? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you have to recast it, though, because it because it's been eight hours since you cast it last. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It only runs, it only lasts for an hour, so. Yeah. I like constantly recast it. I, I would have assumed that you would have recast it. It is at that point when you all realize you have Telbond and you've been stage whispering for the last couple of seconds. The stone doors to your left open much softer than the the big massive doors that you just came through and two people enter both in very it's ornate plate mail but most of you can also see it as functional it is not the kind of ornate display plate mail or sets of armor that would be you know the kind of thing that's just for show this looks like it's pretty and it's also pretty functional and two women enter in impressive armor, mostly steel with a red symbol that most of you would also uh, recognize as the, te- the symbol of Tempest on it, red with a sword. And the plate mail that they're in also has intricate gold filigree outlining all of the bits. So it has this sheen of expensive flamboyance to it, but you can see that it's outlining all of the the seams and the practical bits. There's not like 
filigree or anything extra on it. You do see that they're both wearing boots that have little gold wings on them. That seems to be the only ostentatious thing that both of them are wearing. And though one of them steps forward and gives you a little nod and says, I have been told that you are the heralds of greenest that we will be accommodating for however long you need. That's us! Yeah, and hopefully not that long. We only have one thing that we need to do. Most who come here only have the one, and that, that's usually the the easiest to take care of. Uh, my name is uh, Warlin Silden. I'll be the one that's going to be escorting you around today. I would ask that you sit so that I can give you a bit of instruction so that you don't accidentally cause any issues. And Carl, she motions. Carl just pops a squat. <laughs> you pop a squat and you see a slight smile come to her face. You see that uh, unlike the Temple to Tempest that you were in in Waterdeep that seemed to have humorless people, she she does seem to have at least a pleasant countenance. Um, she She watches you do that and gives us a little smile and then motions for the basic stone furniture that does seem to have some nice pillows and blankets on them to make them a little more comfortable. And she says, Oh yeah. My butt prefers cushions. It does get cold under the spine of the world. And so we, we try to keep ourselves warm both for comfort and to be prepared. And she, she joins you. The other woman in the plate mail closes the door and then stays by the door. Kind of guard. Kind of. She's standing there relaxed. She doesn't have a weapon drawn. You do see both of these women have very nice long swords and they they seem to be prepared for battle, but neither she's not like at a parade rest or in a guard position. The Warlin sits across from you and says, So you've probably probably already been told, but this entire facility is very closely guarded and warded. If any of you have normal communications with anyone on the outside, there's going to be no way for them to be able to contact you. There is no magical or regular means of communication. So please be aware of that. She kind of looks you all over. Yeah, that's that's what... um. When she makes eyes with me, I just like look over at Jonathan. Overseer Wy- Wyvern's Bane. Yes, Wyvern's Bane told us there, there's no cell service down here. It is good to reiterate that, especially for those who are used to sendings or any kind of telepathic communication. You will not be hurt if you try, but you will fail miserably. And anyone who's trying to contact you at this moment, it is as if you are not on the material plane anymore. It is very important once you leave here that, and I know that you would not have been allowed here if you hadn't already been told this, but. I will reiterate, you are not allowed to let anyone know of the location of this place, the reasons of this place. If you are asked, we we are trusting that you take this information to your grave and beyond. Jonathan the Magimuscular has already had to be the terminus for several secrets, and uh, this is just another one of them. Good. You are welcome to stay as long as you need, as long as you are comfortable. There is no rush. We can take care of the item that you need to have destroyed 
at any time. It is a very simple process, in fact. But everybody has their own needs and desires when it comes to a destruction of this sort. I know that we have just met, but I do need to know some specifics about what you are destroying in, in case there are going to be ramifications. Bernie's going to look over. She's going to like... Lean I forward. think everyone looks at Travancore. <laughs> Shadow looks at Travancore. Oh, like, yeah. And to tell Bond, I'm like, hey, Travancore, this is this is you to explain. Bucks' head takes the other way around. And like the other 360? The other yep. 360 to look <laughs> at Travancore. <laughs> Travancore tries his best to succinctly go through the story of what the amulet is and how it came into their possession and the Cliff Notes version of what happened to his family. And if this is your first episode of Dungeon Drunks. Travancore's family has exchanged, made a deal with the devil for great power uh, in exchange for a curse where that may afflict their family members with madness from generation to generation. And the devil that Travancore, they placed this curse on Travancore's family, basically made a deal saying, hey, you destroy this amulet that can summon me to uh, the material plane for me, and I will release your family from this curse. You explain all of this to uh, Silden? And she listens incredibly patiently. Um, the only reaction she has is when you explain that this is an amulet that can summon this devil. And she, her eyebrows go up just a little bit in a bit of surprise, as that's not a common thing. Bernie goes, don't worry, it's safe. And she pats her pocket. As you finish, and, and Bernie, you say that, the Warlin says, well, this is probably the safest it will ever be, but I would never assume something like that is safe. We are as warded and protected as any place on the planet can be, but something as serious as an interplanar threat from the Nine Hells should always be taken with the gravity it deserves. May I see the amulet, please? Bernie's gonna lean forward and look at Travancore again. Yeah, Travancore <laughs> gives the okay. She's leaning around Carlton, like very forward. Oh yeah! I... To to get here, we had to kill an ultraloth and its minions. Lots we we killed knife, them good. <laughs> knife horses. She nods gravely and says, "I can understand why there would be many who would not like to see such an object destroyed. To be honest, if it weren't for the tale that you had told, just having possession of the true name of a devil would be of great service to the forces of good here on this planet. But there are." Other ways of getting such information, but if I could see the object, please. Insight check on the ward. I don't think anything's going on, but I thought due diligence. Yeah, sure. Give me a give give a read on this 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 lady. Nineteen. It's not that she's hard to read. It's interesting that she's not reacted too much to this tale, with the exception of the moment where you talked about the the true name. That seems to be the only thing that she is a little surprised by. Everything else she's taking in stride. You get the sense with her 19, this is business. This is her making sure she has the proper information to continue to protect this place. And the entire time that you were telling the story of what's happened with this amulet and your family and, and everything, and she's listened, she's listened with the... The intent of somebody preparing for battle. So you don't get the sense that she's got any anything nefarious in mind. She's just been very matter-of-fact about it. Okay. So Travancore just sort of gestures his approval. 
Bernie's going to take the amulet out and hold it in her hands to show. Yeah, and uh, the Whirlin is not going to try to take it, but she will stand to walk over and examine it. And as she's looking at it closely, she does ask, could you flip it over so I could see the other side, please? Bernie flips it. And she does the same examination. The side that you flip it to appears blank, but this is the side that Jonathan's mentor knew to put some blood on in order to reveal the true name. She takes a look at it, nods, steps back, and says, I don't believe this should cause any issues. I believe our wards are as such in order to prevent this. You said that this creature was an Aaron, yes? Yeah. And that's what your devil is. The Yeah, she's an Aaron, yes. Yes? I realize as soon as I said that, I'm like, we haven't mentioned that that's what she is in a while. Everybody goes, yeah! Yes? Yeah, <laughs> not, yes, not, a, yes. not an Aaron, no, an Aaron, yes. An Aaron, yes, yeah. And she I'm nods sure she's and says, disappointed that once again we are not taking this seriously. That's all right. This is all, yeah. She she once again continues to take all this in stride and and while she doesn't smile at these jokes, she's not giving you like a stern look or frowning or anything. And as you confirm, she says, That is a powerful entity for sure, but I believe our wards can handle it. The last time we were in danger of such an incursion. It was a creature much, much higher on the hierarchy, so I think we should be okay. I assume that you would like to have this disposed of as quickly as possible. Yes. That's okay. ideal. Jumps at the, the last letter, just says yes, as, as soon as he has the opportunity to. I'm going to lead you directly then to the pool. I will advise. And she kind of looks at everybody, and it's specifically at the animal companions, and says, Forgive the presumption. It is better to not assume. But I, w- I would advise if any creature would be curious enough to examine the pool that they not come. I cannot stress enough how dangerous it is. Coco Snoot doesn't drink out of the toilet. Did you just call the pool a toilet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to notions to Shadow to stay behind. When you give him the look, if, if you want him to stay behind, what uh, Warlin, the Warlin will say is, there is an adjacent room that if you would like to leave anything or anyone in, we'll be going through that first. But I figured I would, I find it best to give the entire speech now before we even start to walk. Makes okay. sense. A few other things we will be passing around through most of the temple. You're not going to see very many people. If they do not engage with you in conversation, do not take it personally. Many of them are devout who have basically devoted their lives to protecting this place. And some of them enjoy the silence. So if you do approach them and they decide not to engage, do not take it personally. But don't force the issue. These are all highly trained warriors, and they will be ready to defend themselves even when they don't need to. Also, once you are done, if you would like a place to rest, we do have quarters for you. And as I said, you are welcome to stay as long as you need, and we will make arrangements for you to be able to be returned to wherever you would like once we are done. Depending on where you would like to go, it may take a few more hours than normal, but we can arrange that. Hmm. 
once we get into the room with the pool, I would ask you not to talk very much. It is a holy object, even if it is seemingly just a pool of acid. And we are never quite sure exactly what is trying to look at it, contact it, corrupt it. And so it is best to be as cautious as possible when near it. Understood. Got it. But you said you could take a, like, when we're ready to leave, like, anywhere, like, not just at the mine, like, we can go anywhere in favor? Within reason, we have a a very powerful arcanist who has access to some teleportation magic that can get you pretty much anywhere within the civilized world. Well, uh, after we get done, I suppose we'll have a conversation about where we want to go. In the Telbond, I say, I vote beach. Does the Telbond work in here? Telbond works in here. Because you okay, said outside. Just outside. Here. Right, right. Yeah, Jonathan, you would get the sense that uh, if somebody was outside of this building, this this temple would not work for them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Are there any questions? No, I think we're, we're, we're set. Nope. Very well. She stands and she motions to the other uh, woman in armor, nods at each other, and they open the doors, and she is going to lead you out through the doors. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now this week's code expires on July 19th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. S-W-A-B-I-R-E-S-P-O-L-T. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. She just walks and kind of expects you to follow. You will be followed up by this other armed woman, but more as an escort. And as you walk, it's a curving, very plain hallway. If it wasn't for some of the people that you're about to see and some of the rooms coming off to the side, it would look like you were kind of walking down the same blank gray stone hall that you walked for eight hours to get here. It's very cold. But as this curving hallway goes down, you see at first a couple of rooms off to the left Uh, Wooden doors this time open and you see what looks like hearths, what what you would expect a fireplace to be, and you can feel warmth coming out of the rooms, but there's no fire. There's no smoke or smell of anything burning. You just see in each of these a large domed rock glowing with kind of a yellowish orange glow, kind of like a stone that's been heated up in a fire and then been put into this heart. You see four of these rooms set up, doors open, very basic bedrooms, some uh, a bed and what looks like a dresser, and that's about it. And for obvious reasons, there's no windows, 
There are no chimneys. You do not see any way out of here. The hallway continues to curve around. It hits another portion in where there is a hallway going to your right. And that's the first time that you see anyone else. You see a couple of people walking away from you down that hallway. These people are also in full plate, but they're wearing what looks like uh, robes on top of it as well. But you can actually hear their footsteps in their full plate as they're walking. And you can see that they're not wearing the same ornate winged boots that your companions are. The hallway continues to curve around. You've been walking for like four or five minutes now. It's it's long and you're constantly going off to the right. And eventually you reach a intersection that the hallway continues on forward. You can see some more rooms would be coming up ahead. But Silden turns to the right and leads you into a kidney-shaped room kind of resembling the room that you were in when you first entered the temple. Very basic, uh, a couple places to sit with some blankets and uh, pillows on some basic furniture. There's actually a desk in here. Once again, a stone desk, but a wooden chair with a little cushion on it. And mostly empty room. There's one person in here, uh, another person, once again, full plate, Uh, This person is in some of the gilded plate, again, like your companions. He sees you. It's a, uh, it seems to be a a drow, actually, uh, stands up in this full, impressive plate. And this this drow is tall. The, the The rooms that you've been in have all been eight, nine feet tall and very wide. And this, this drow is as tall as you, Carlton, uh, a little muscular with the plate mail nods at all of you and just seems to recognize oh it's time for me to leave here and just walks out silden motions to the room and on the other side of this kidney-shaped room there is a stone door with an inscription on it in dwarvish who speaks dwarvish uh carlton does actually anybody else i'm is checking the giant no, list i don't have to check i know i don't know dwarvish no nope, okay. i don't know dwarvish Awesome. Carlton for the win! Yay, Carlton. Carlton, you see that the inscription in Dwarvish says... Speak, friend, and enter. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, that's in Elvish. In Dwarvish, it says, The end of all things. Uh, I relay that to the party via Telbond. Uh, And I also say, Oh, hey, Bernie, I'm going to show more insight than I normally do. I'm going to fuck something up. Because, like, not intentionally, but you know how I kind of accidentally fuck something up? Don't let me fuck something up. So, I, my recommendation for this is that you put both hands in your pockets and stand with your back to the wall. Hands like, in pockets. Got it. T- back touching the wall. But what if I touch the wall and that's bad? I don't think touching not to touch the wall anything. is bad. Walls are walls. Are you saying this out loud? Intelbon is what okay. I was talking to her. Travagor's going to say, I respectfully disagree. Try and just stay away from the walls and stand straight. I feel like that's the least bit of ma- amount of damage you could do. Yeah, actually, just don't move. Just hands and pockets, don't move. All right. All right. You can do that, Carl. I believe in you. I believe in me, too. Warlin Silden motions to the room and says, if there's anybody who would like to remain here, or if any of your animal companions would be more comfortable remaining here, uh, they are welcome to stay here for as long as you need. Travagor looks at Shadow. 
I trust you. You're fine. But I want to protect you a little bit. So hang out here. You deserve a breather. You, you, you had a big kill just recently. And Shadow's in the Telbon, so Jack, how does Shadow react? Hmm. Probably should have thought. It's okay. I'm going to force play two characters at uh, once. I know, I know. I understand. If you feel you need to do this alone, I trust you. Which I think is the only best way he, he would take it. Yeah. He can find... Uh, there's a couple of rugs on the floor. Uh, there's also... Not the most comfy, but there is a couch with some blankets and pillows. So he's got a couple places he can lie. It's a fairly large room, so there's plenty of place for him to spread out. Uh, is there anybody else or animals who are going to remain behind? Uh, Bucks will stay here. Okay. Bernie is going to hop off Coco's new and she's going to stand in front of him. And she's going to lean down and like pet his ears and say, I know that you don't drink the toilet water. And I know that you can be trusted. But I think it'd be really unfair if everyone else stayed behind and you got to go in there. You can, you're okay just keeping them company, right? And Coco Snoot's in the Telbond. Jules, what does Coco Snoot say? God damn it, almost did the shadow voice. <laughs> it's an addictive voice. It's a good voice. I want my, my dog friend to keep me company. <laughs> I mean, and Kokosnoot doesn't have to say anything. Kokosnoot can just... Kokosnoot says, I, I do not drink toilet wine. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's called Pruno. It's just chimes in at the telephone. <laughs> and both Bernie and, and Kokosnoot look up at you like, private conversation. <laughs> and... In the telephone. <laughs> conversation is private. I will stay with Bear and Owl, friend. Is is If one is left behind, we all stay behind. All right, your three animal companions. For the moment, they take their own space and their own perches. They do not cuddle up together just yet. There is heat in this room. There's another one of those those large rocks in a hearth, and they all kind of cuddle up nearby it, although the room, this room is not cold. And sensing that you all seem to be ready... Uh, your guide, Warlin, moves to the door, and you notice that there is no handle on this door. There's just this inscription on the stone door, and she puts her hand on it and pushes, and it just seems to open without a problem. And she'll stand on the other side of the door and hold it open for you as you walk on in. And the room that she leads you into is massive. It is a huge circular room. The pinnacle of the domed ceiling is easily 35 40 feet high and unlike some of the other rooms that you've been that have been either circular in shape or worked stone everything in here is is really nicely crafted but simplistic this the hairs on the back of your neck stand up a little bit you can almost feel energy in here Jonathan, you're, the math part of your wizard brain instantly realizes that this room is almost perfectly circular. Like, you can just tell. Jonathan the Magimuscular is freaking out a little. Just a little. Yeah. It's the acoustics. It's the way it's built. And you all kind of innately feel this. Bernie burps a little tiny burp. It's like the room temperature room. I'm going to make that burp in canon. 
just to see how it reacts in the acoustics. This is not a room that echoes as much as it's just perfectly proportioned. And so as you enter, there are guards. Um, There's a guard all the way across from you. And there are two guards on your left and your right against the walls, kind of north, south, east, west, as it were. And you get the sense, Bernie, when you burp, that even though the guard furthest from you might be a good 150 feet away, they could hear you perfectly. No problems. (laughs) Oh, this is like a whisper bench. A little bit. It's not an am- it's not amplification as much as it is that perfect acoustics. The floor is completely smooth and flat. The door that you are coming through is the only door in the room. There's just these three other guards. They are also dressed in plate mail. Uh, two of them are gilded. One of them is not. And the only other thing in the room is in the very center of the room. You see a hole, and as Warlin approaches, she, when she gets about 20 feet away from the hole, she actually kneels and puts her hand to her chest and kind of very momentarily, obviously, genuflects and then stands again and draws her longsword. And the the ringing of it coming out of the sheath, once again, there's no echo. It's just you all hear a shing. And she holds it by her side in a position that is half honorific parade rest and half at the ready. And she looks at you, Travancore, and uses the sword to then point to the hole. Okay. Travancore does not have the amulet, though. Bernie has the amulet, and Bernie is going to reach up and grab Travancore's hand, and uh, they will walk over together. Okay. Travancore grabs the hand back. You two take hands and walk forward. Carlton and Jonathan, are you going to stay the 20 feet back with Warlin, or would you like to join? What would you like to do? Jonathan, the Medge Muscular, is going to hang back. Carlton wants to join, and as soon as he starts taking a step forward, he hears Bernie in his head. Not Telbon Bernie, but that little back of the like head voice Bernie, like, Carlton, no, stay by the wall. And I'm like, and he like takes a step, his half step back and just Hands in pockets next to Warlin. <laughs> Conscience cricket. The three of you stand there as Travancore and Bernie step forward. The hole in the floor is also perfectly circular, and it is maybe five feet in diameter. It is relatively tiny, especially for the grandiose size of this room. As you get closer, both of you smell this strange mixture of an acidic smell and flowers bernie what's your favorite flower bernie really likes black-eyed susans travancore what's your favorite flower travancore actually really likes dandelions because supposedly they're weeds and they're just like ominous but he thinks they're still beautiful so both of you smell the smell of your favorite flower mixed with this acid Bernie's gonna lean into Travancore and whisper, like not 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 Telbon whisper, but like whisper whisper, which I guess means everybody hears, but she's forgotten that. And she's gonna say, "I I should know this, but I don't." Is smelling something floral the sign of a stroke? Travancore <laughs> remembers his what his mother told him, and no, that's not one of the telltale signs. Uh, 
burnt I mean, toast, I think, is the, the telltale sign, if I remember correctly. Okay, burnt toast. Burnt toast is a stroke and almonds is cyanide. All right, we're good. We're fine. I smell neither of those. Warlin actually speaks up. And even though she does not speak loudly, you all hear her. And she says, the reaction to the divine is different for everybody. Wow. And you walk up to this hole. There is no gate. There's no, it's only five feet. So it's not like there's a, a lip or anything. You get close enough that you can finally look down it. And about a foot into this hole is this kind of unremarkable green liquid, a cliche acid looking. It's not bubbling. It is not steaming in any way. It is. It just looks like a five foot hole with some thickish green liquid at the bottom. All right. Bernie's going to pull pull the amulet out of her pocket and hand it to Travancore and say, Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. So the magic's only part of the battle. You know that, right? Yeah. If you're going to change something long term, it won't be the magic. It'll have to be you. But if you need somebody to come with you and fight that battle, I'll go with you. And Travancore smiles. And do what you're going to do, man. Travancore? <laughs> Let's... Centuries of history fall from his fingers into the pit. You release it. As you do, you all hear the sound of four armored knees touching the ground. As almost in unison, all four of the people, the guardians of this temple in this room with you, kneel. Almost once again genuflecting as you drop this piece of your history into this pool. As it hits, it doesn't immediately sink. It's kind of as if you would place something on top of lava. Once again, the green pool itself, it's mirror still, but you actually watch as the amulet and the chain that it's on lands and begins to melt. And everybody make a constitution saving throw. Alright. Tell me what my con is, D&D Beyond. <laughs> Carlton got a uh, 17. Jonathan. Uh, 13. Bernie. 15. This Davencore. is the first con save I've done well on, like, ever. <laughs> Davencore. Sweet 16. Jonathan, you now smell something. What's the worst thing you could ever smell? Bad fish. Just bad fish. This isn't just bad. This is... This is demonic, horrific, decrepit, the worst fish from something in the Nine Hells. It, it has that scaly, fishy overtone to it. It sits in the back of your throat. It's horrible. And you just barely managed to not retch <clears throat> just barely managed to hold everything in as this amulet slowly dissolves into this pool and over the next few minutes just agonizingly slow you watch as bit by bit it dissolves into nothing by the time it is over 
there's not a sheen left. You don't see anything has sunk into it. It is though it is just vanished. Travancore, you hear a ringing in the back of your mind. You hear what sounds like laughter, like like the pleasant laughter of children. And your bow begins to hum. And Isolgal is now in its honored state. Oh. Wait, what? Wait, what? As you have done a great deed for your family and done something right for the world. And I'll send you the new version of your bow, but just so you know in this moment. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the bonus to your weapon now increases to plus two. When you drop a creature to zero hit points with an attack using a soul goal, you can immediately make an additional ranged attack with the weapon as a bonus action. Holy shit, that's awesome. Damn. As this finishes the four guards in the room, seemingly knowing as soon as the rest of this amulet is destroyed, stand up as they have been genuflecting this whole time. And... You see Warl and Silden's smile, like a genuine, happy smile. She still has her sword out at the ready, but she is is happy. And she says, praise to Tempest. Bless me. Goddamn. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. (laughs) Warlin does not seem to take offense at this and just looks over at you and says, sometimes these miracles are not flashy, but... Most people can feel when the gods move. Is there anything else that you need to destroy? I think that's it. Does it remove tattoos? I mean, we've got we got a skull we could throw in there, but I don't think no, we want to destroy no. him. Murray! Murray's great. Don't no, no, Murray, you wouldn't add to Murray. Why? Waylon, her smile falters a little bit, and she says, I would hope that you would only be thinking of destroying anything of that this kind of magnitude. Also, if you would like to get rid of a tattoo, we can definitely do that, but it will remove the entire body. <laughs> can I ask you something? It's a little blasphemous. If you're more than welcome to ask me anything, may I ask that we do that outside of this room if we are done? I think we're done. Guys, are we done? We're done. I have no more issues. I think we're done. She will... Indicate with the sword back the way you came and basically let you all lead the way out as she tur- before she turns to follow you, she will genuflect to the pool one more time, sheathe her sword and follow you. And you can see that the door has been like propped open in a way like there's nothing propping it open, but it's just been there open. And as you walk through, she puts her hand out palm onto the wood and it just starts to slide closed and as you come back into the kidney shaped waiting room where your familiars and friends are the door gently closes behind you and she says now that that is done what was your question you ever just put stuff in there just to see what the smells are gonna be <laughs> like <laughs> i assume that amulet smelled like dead fish like, I assume we all smelled it, even if we didn't all gag. So you did not smell anything, no. Jonathan just came perilously close to uh, not being able to withstand the magical energies being released by a an object. And what uh, Warlin will say 
is we train fairly rigorously to be able to withstand most of the reactions that happen when things are placed in there. Any mundane object does not emit any kind of psychic emanations that we need to be worried about. The stronger the object, the more visceral the reaction. Anything that comes in contact with a holy object will release something. Sometimes it's a smell, sometimes it's a taste, sometimes you feel it, it's pain or love or hate, sometimes it's a memory. Once that was destroyed, if all you could discern was a horrible smell, then you've done well. You've, you must have a fairly good constitution because we are used to having to clean up after some very powerful objects have been disposed of. So like a hot dog. We see mops at the ready. <laughs> you, you don't, but the, the way she says that indicates there must be a way for them to clean up. You ever put a hot dog in there? No, if we had hot dogs down here, we would have better uses than to put them into a pit created by a god. See? Well, if I had known, I would have brought you a hot, a, a hot dog to eat and be a hot dog to see what happens if you throw it in the acid. Who knows? We could find out that hot dogs are, in fact, evil. Bernie, go ahead and roll an insight check. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at her well, when I she says, know. if we had hot dogs, we'd be like, do you guys have popcorn down here? We lead a very austere lifestyle. And I go, now you do. And I'll pull popcorn oh out of God. the uh, bag of honey. I'm like, for you and your, your, your friends here. She takes it and she grins at you. Uh, Jonathan, you watch as she casts Identify. And <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Jonathan, you notice she does it like reflexively. Like, all right, this is awesome. You're giving me something. I'm just making sure. And she just... As soon as she has verified that it is nothing but a, a mundane tin of popcorn, she grins at you and says, I will make sure that this gets into the mess hall for all to enjoy. As you can probably imagine a location like this, that secrecy is paramount. We do not import very much, if anything. Uh, most of the time, one of our clerics casts create food and water for most of our nourishment. I've got mayo because it hasn't been 24 hours, so I can't make anything else. <laughs> and Bernie, Bernie, Bernie puts a hand up as high as it can go and, like, brings the jar down. She goes, you, you don't want to eat that mayo. What'd you get on your inside check? Bernie? A 20. Uh, you can see the faint, faintest trace of wistfulness. Like, hot dog would be Let's kind of sigh. nice. <laughs> yeah, these are dedicated, high-ranking Temple of Tempest clerics and paladins and powerful people who have devoted their lives to protecting one of the most deadly and dangerous things on the planet and are doing, you know, literally God's work. But there are also mortal beings who would like a hot dog. Well, lucky for her, I can create a meat plate because... <laughs> you can create a cheese plate. You I can create a cheese plate you can create because a cheese you pl made special spells and didn't take them away from me. Nope, because why would I? She'll ask, you had said that you were going to take a little bit of time to decide where you wanted to go and maybe rest from your journey. Yeah, that gives us a couple of options because then if, wherever we decide to go, we can have full spells and stuff. So uh, I'd say, yeah, we, 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 we would be honored to stay the night. Yes. How, how often do we get to stay in a place like this, right? 
Exactly. Not many on this planet do. And she will then lead you back the way you came, all the way to that first group of rooms that were the plain rooms with the hearth in them that seems to just have a rock that stays hot all the time to keep the room comfortable. And there are four of them, uh, one for each of you, prepared in simple ways. There is, since it is the evening, although it's hard to tell because you're deep underground, uh, but it has been a full day, there is dinner that is provided and... Uh, yeah, your popcorn's a big hit. The create food and water is nourishing. And you actually, there's a druid there who does create a couple of good berries, which offers a little bit of sweetness. But this is a, about a dozen people come to this mess hall, uh, which is once again, just some simple chairs and tables and pleasant conversation, but they are not living large. And it's That's mostly- That's when Bernie busts out create cheese plate. And yeah, your create cheese plate. There's a, a couple of of other uh, mid level spells that do some some food creation that help that you can that you sense are uh, not often used. It's like a celebratory kind of thing. Your popcorn is a giant hit, absolutely. And unless there's anything else pressing you want to do, we will pause there. And the next time we get together, it will be after a long rest. The next quote unquote morning. Uh, as you have rested for the evening and you can decide what you want to do next. But first, let me give you some experience for everything. 20,000 experience to Whoa. split between the four of you. What? And I will update Isilgal to its honored state as Travancore has successfully completed one of the major quests of his lifetime. Whew. You know, Lauren, how the other day you were asking like where we wanted to go after this? Yes. Kill Thontervac, make dragon dogs, bring dragon dogs to clerics here. <laughs> Good luck oh, with that. Good I luck with that. I thought we were going to breed the dragon yeah, dogs. Yeah, I, I kind of was thinking that too. I didn't confused. realize like dragon steak was going to be on the menu, boys. <laughs> dragon steak. Bring dragon steak. Meat. It's almost time for dragon steak. I will say, as you're as you're talking over dinner, I mean, not only do they explain that, yes, uh, for obvious reasons, importing and exporting of goods is a no-no or, is, you know, only the most dire of needs. And most of the time it's spices because create food and water creates 45 pounds of food and 30 gallons of water. And uh, while you don't know exactly how many people are here, it seems to run about a dozen. So they seem to all be okay. Uh, it seems like spices are the way... They're basically living off spam and ways of cooking spam. But the fact that you are going to give them some of your hard-earned popcorn makes them all very happy. And it's a giant tin. Like, even a dozen paladins and clerics, they eat slow and they appreciate every kernel. All right, so next time we get together, it'll be the next morning. You will have a chance to talk about where you want to go next, uh, as it seems like you can be delivered there you don't know how easily, but she didn't seem to indicate that there was any problems with that. And we will go from there. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. 
Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvian Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.